Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more, talking sports, uh, yes we do. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and we are hyped up on this Friday in August to bring you some sports. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, shoot us your emails to Today at gmail.com. Check out the website, rayandtaytoday.com. We're very social, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, YouTube. We got you covered. Ray, you know, busy show, some baseball, some football, Olympics, little UFC. Let's get started with some craziness because we don't normally talk about UFC on our show. And there's kind of a knucklehead theme building up this Friday on our show. And I want to ask you, neither one of us watch UFC, but Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz is one of the bigger fights in a while. And it's a rematch. Diaz won the first one. I don't know if you saw, you know, at the press conference, McGregor throwing the bottles and they were throwing stuff at him, but he might already face a potential lawsuit. But are those just silly, childish antics, or is McGregor that much of a loose cannon? And would you ever, you know, pay for a UFC fight? Would this be the one to get you? And who do you think is going to win the rematch? So I think both are true. I think the UFC is a wonderful marketing example where they took a sport, right? They bought the sport for $2 million and they sold it for $4 billion. So they obviously know what they're doing in promoting yep. their fights and getting their fighters out there. And I do think that Conor McGregor is a little bit of a loose cannon at the same time. I mean, the guy retired from the sport, and then he was like, wait a minute, I'm leaving this much money on the table. Maybe I'm unretired. So Dana White probably talked him back in. This was right where the right when the sale was happening. So I do think that Conor McGregor is talented, though. And if I had to say, the thing about this sport, though, is one good kick, one good punch, boom, you're out. It's, it's like a heavyweight fight in boxing, you know, one big overhand, you know. And in that sport, it could be a kick, it could be a fight, it could be, you know, a, a chokehold. So I do think that McGregor wins the rematch. Ah, okay. See, so like his chances. Yeah, he claimed that like the first eight minutes of the fight, he got worn out and tired, and so that's why he, you know, whatever. We'll see. Um, I don't know. There's something about the guy that uh, he could win too. But Nate, Nate Diaz also has. He's got that swag. I don't know. So I listen. I I'll go with you and McGregor. I wouldn't be surprised if Diaz does it again. And, you know, that's as much as we get into the UFC. But, you know, I just hope it's a good fight. So we go to Rio, Ray. And before we get to the good stuff, we got to put to bed this foolishness. And I think it's a shame that potentially the second most decorated U.S. swimmer and swimmer, period, in terms of medals, he's tied for second of all time, Ryan Lochte. He really embarrassed swimming, America, U.S. swimming, the Olympics. 
with this whole debacle and the story. And I think to me, his apology falls on deaf ears because he didn't even admit to lying, you know, and he puts it on Instagram and really it's just swimmers going out, getting drunk, being childish, immature punks, and then wanting to make themselves look like they were victims. So they come across as some sort of heroes and, you know, tell us a story about how, hey, they're held gunpoint, these guys pretending to be police, and none of it was true. How, how do you think he gets remembered? And I guess this will always be remembered as part of the 2016 Rio Olympics and USA and swimming. I mean, how negative of a stain do you think this is? And will he ever sort of be, I guess, forgiven for his and then he let he left his teammates too. I mean, he's just a cornball in every way in, in my eyes, right? I, I can't forgive. Not that I can't forgive him, but I just I, I just think it's disgusting, you know. Well, the thing is, he's 32, right? So you got to think how many more competitive events does he have? And they're treating him like he's 18 years old. I mean, he's right? He's not a little kid, man. Right. Yeah, he's a you know, up. this is embarrassing if you're 18, and it's almost unheard of if you're 32 and the worst part is that his initial response was oh I'm sorry I let my sponsors down and then five days later he quasi apologizes but not really and he leaves the country not to be found and his other two guys got pulled off the plane so you know what it makes the USOC look bad it makes the swimming look bad now Michael Phelps got into trouble, too. He had that whole issue with the bong, and then he had the issue with the DUI, the second DUI. But to Michael Phelps' credit, he admitted his wrongdoing, took it in the media, and everybody moved on. So Michael Phelps kind of stood there and said, I'm responsible. It's my fault. I had some, you know, transgressions, whatever. Lochte somehow is trying to deny it and he's fabricating stories and his mom got involved. So he's digging his hole deeper and deeper and deeper. He's going to get suspended. So, you know, Phelps got three months. He might get a year or two. Uh, I don't think he gets a lifetime ban, but at 32, that's a big deal. He's basically over, you know, his, his career is basically over and he'll be remembered as just doing a clownish, clownish thing. And, and what's even worse than all that is it brought back all the bad, you know, perceptions of Brazil and Rio. And they worked so hard to clean yeah. up Rio and to make this Olympics go without incident. And he brought up all this stuff about, you know, oh, you know, it's, it's dangerous and we got held up at gunpoint. So, you know, shame on him. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I think there might have been one incident earlier um, with the Australian team. But overall, this has been, I got to say, now look, we also know from watching real sports with Beijing and, 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 and Sochi or whatever, and already in Brazil, look, there's going to be negative stuff because of all the money that's put into it by these countries. And then they take away from social services of all these countries. So that will still be there. But in terms of the safety of the athletes and, and just, you know, the purity of the events and the sports, Brazil has, has done a great job. It's been a great Olympic. So let's leave that nonsense behind. Before we get to our guy, Boat, just, just America, right? 103 uh, medals total. We got 
37 gold, 34 silver, 32 bronze. It's, it's great to see. I mean, we, we're, we're taking no prisoners. And then we got to talk a little bit about USA basketball. They advanced to the gold medal game, 82-76 over Paul Gasol, who dropped 23-8 and eight, uh, in Spain. And uh, DeAndre Jordan set, a, I guess, all-time record for rebounding. Clay Thompson went off. Um, do you think they beat the Serbia-Australia winner easily, or they have another close matchup? And are you at all disappointed with sort of just win in advance, you know, the lack of domination by this particular group of USA basketball guys? I am disappointed in their performance, especially their consistency, and especially on the defensive end. But it also tells you, and in some ways I'm happy that this happened, right? right? And, and I love Mike Krzyzewski, and I love the players, but I'm happy that the USA isn't running away with it. I'm happy that teams that have been together for six, seven, eight years and know each other and the nuances of the game. Now, maybe they're not beating the U.S. because, look, the disparity in talent is the the, – the, 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 <laughs> the USA basketball team should be winning by 40, 50 points. But you know what? It's still a team game. There's still yeah. something to be said for knowing your teammates. There's still something to be said for – you know, the intricacies of, of teamwork and, and, and repetition. And, and like our boy Allen Iverson said, practice. There's still something to, to be said about that. So in some ways, it's, in my mind, it's a double win. I'm glad, you know, in retrospect, you know, of course I was rooting for the USA and I wanted them to dominate. And, you know, in retrospect, it's quite all right that they're winning but not dominating. Because these other teams work hard. They, they have continuity. They have teamwork. They, they, all the things that actually the USA has been committed to the last 12 years, 16 years with, with Colangelo and Krzyzewski. It's just this team, this team in particular, was assembled you know, sort of hastily and didn't have that much time together. No, they, they really haven't. And they're very different because of so many of the major guys coming back. But, Ray, I heard rumors on Twitter that you were rooting for Croatia and, and, and Serbia. Is that true? is <laughs> back. <laughs> nah, I'm rooting for USA. But like I said, I, I don't mind that there's, there's some close games. I root no, for good I basketball, and I want USA to win, of course. Nah, you're totally right. And for, for competitive uh, nature, it's great to see. Um, I think it also lets us know that, you know what, the rest of the world – we got to stop disrespecting them. They're pretty darn good. Yes, it is. Yes, it is teamwork and stuff, like you say, but they've also gotten a lot better. Now, granted, the, the superpowers of Argentina and Spain are starting to lose. You know, their guys are moving on, and they've gotten so much older, and I don't know if they have brought up the new young generation. But guess what? In the next four years, Australia, uh, probably Serbia, and Canada – are going to be dangerous because Canada has got a ton of talent coming up. Now, they didn't qualify this time around. They got upset by France, but even France will still be good. You know, so we'll have a couple of new rivals and new countries that could be gunning for us because there's a lot of young talent. And maybe, you know, Argentina and Spain will start to develop and bring along, you know, some new guys that we haven't seen yet. I mean, obviously, Argentina, it looks like they're going to fall off a cliff because they, they were saying they don't even see any new 
talent to replace Ginobili and Nuccioni, you know, in, in, in the near future. So, we'll, you know, we hope that they can still be competitive. But overall, I think we're going to handle Serbia or Australia and, and or our, Australia uh, pretty good, maybe, you know, five to ten point win. And we'll get the gold. And I'm happy for these guys. And I think the greatest thing that you're seeing is that you're hearing DeAndre Jordan, Melo, all these guys, they're kind of coming out and saying, of course we want to win an NBA title, but you know what? This Olympic experience is so special and amazing. And I think we underestimate, right, the power of an NBA championship or American sports. But, you know, we don't know what happens inside of a person when they're actually playing for their country. It is special and it is amazing. And we shouldn't disrespect them when they say that. We should actually applaud them and say, wow, that's kind of deep. You know what I mean? You feel like people have been kind of poo-pooing them when they say that stuff, and that's not fair, you know? It, it, it really it isn't. Really and, isn't. You know, and, you know, it feels like the only people that can say it and get away with it are people that have won an NBA championship, right? So like a LeBron or a Jason Kidd or a uh, uh, Kobe, you know, those right. guys that have won an NBA championship. It's almost like the undertone here is, oh, well, Carmelo, DeAndre, they haven't won NBA championships, so they're settling for the Rio goal if they, if they win it. Yeah, yeah and, and that's just to make everybody feel good. But deep down, they really want an NBA championship. Well, yeah, they want an NBA championship. But you know what? This competition is every four years, it's the world's best players and, and, and teamwork playing for your country. It's nothing to be poo-pooed. I mean, it's, it's a heck of an accomplishment. And Carmelo in particular, if he wins an NCAA title and, uh, you know, yet another uh, uh, Olympic gold, that's impressive. Uh, you know, you can't knock it. Yeah, maybe he doesn't win an NBA championship during his career, but it's not to say that he hasn't accomplished things as a, as a professional and as an amateur basketball player. He's had an outstanding just basketball career. We got to get to boats. Look, I mean, a lot of great things are happening. Ashton Eaton with the decathlon has been doing his thing. You know, we, we've seen the, uh, the women sweep the, uh, the hurdles. But Usain Bolt from Jamaica, Ray, and, and I heard somebody else say it on another show, and I, and I just have to agree with them. You actually wish that you could see him just continue to run every single Olympics because it's exciting. It is a show. It's a performance. And there's something about saying someone is the heavyweight champ of the world or the fastest man on earth. Like as human beings, we like it, right? Cause we all have thrown a punch, whether it's not been professional, we've all shot a basket. We've all, you know, ran. And when you see someone run the way he runs in the 100 and 200, it is breathtaking. And it's with such power and ease. And usually a 6'5 sprinter, that usually doesn't exist. Usually there is somewhere between 5'10", maybe 6'1", 6'2". But I, I don't think, you know, he's, he's got to be the tallest ever. And if he wins the 4x100, he'll be 9 for 9 in the last three Olympics in the 100-200 and 4x100 relay with his teammates. And I'm just, you know, you just got to like – Applaud, Usain Bolt, you're the man. Jamaica, yeah, man, you know? <laughs> Usain in the membrane. So uh, let me tell you something. The 100 meter, and he's going to run his four by one, and hopefully, uh, you know, even though, of course, I root for U.S., but I'm, I'm pulling for Jamaica. I want, I want uh, Usain to go nine for uh, nine. 
but you know what? The, the 100 meters is the sexiest, but watching him in the 200 meters is oh, just yeah. a thing of beauty because in the 100 meter, it's the same formula. He has the third or fourth fastest, you know, 30, 40, 50 meters, and then by far the fastest second 50 meters. So he's always coming from behind. But in the 200 meters, this guy is untouchable, and nobody even comes close. So in the 100 meters, you know, it's it's up in the air whether he'll win, but the 200 meters, this guy is just a thing of beauty. And start to finish, he's the best runner on the track at every moment, at every turn, at every, you know, 10-meter mark. So it's it's a thing of beauty. He's only 29, believe it or not. So I'd love to see him in Tokyo try to go 12 for 12. But 33 is kind of old, though, for track. It is, but look at Justin Gatlin, who, if it wasn't for Usain Bolt, would be, would be coming home with some gold medals. I mean, and he's, 30, he's 34. So, yeah. I don't know. It, it, you know what? I think it's, it's physical, but it's also mental at this stage, right? He's not pulling away from people, certainly not in 100 like he used to. Uh, and the question is, do you want to do four more years of this? Maybe you take two years off and then you try real hard to get in shape for the, for the last two years. I don't know if, if a 31-year-old, 32-year-old can do that, but Probably I'd love not. to see him in Tokyo. No, you're right. You're right. So, look, I mean, obviously we have the championship on Sunday for the U.S. and, and all the events are, are winding down. Um, and I guess, you know, we'll kind of get the final medal count on our Monday show. But as we leave the Olympics behind and move on to some football and baseball, do you, uh, I don't know, favorite memory, favorite event, favorite, was it, was it you know, Phelps, Biles, Bolts, like, I think it was all of that. I think yeah. that yeah. it's just been fun. The greatness of this Olympics. If yeah. Simone Biles had won that gold, she'd be five for five. But Simone Biles <laughs> probably put together the best women's gymnastics uh, performance ever. Yeah. Michael Phelps kind of put his put his anchor in the sand with his 28 gold medal, uh, sorry, 23 gold medal, 28 overall as the best Olympic athlete or most accomplished anyway, Olympic athlete of all time. And if Usain Bolt was nine for nine, then he's the fastest, best sprinter of all time. And, and right up there with Phelps, uh, you know, uh, among the greats of all time in Olympic history. So just great. That's there's so many other great, you know, you can't ever like count out, you know, or forget about like Carl Lewis and just, I mean, there's so many great ones over the years, but you're right. And, and I applaud the women, Ray. I think the women for America have just been outstanding in so many different events and they've really led the the charge for America. And I think it's just been great. So I, I'm excited and I think it's going to end with a, a splash and a bang and, you know, so that's that's always great. So moving on, look, NFL Week 2 preseason, a little exciting, you know, a couple games, you know, the Dolphins and Cowboys are on and the Cardinals and Chargers, and last night there were some games. Um, I got to tell you this quick note. Our guy, my boy, Randall Jett, got a solo tackle playing for the Packers last night against the Raiders. 
I'm looking forward to watching the replay on NFL Network. I haven't seen it yet. My Steelers look really bad against the Eagles, 17 nothing. And I know you know that today they – Well, you, you know, got good not, news. Well, Le'Veon's bell went down from four games to three. I still have an issue, right? It's his responsibility to report vacation and a cell phone change or whatever. But the missed test seemed to be because of just miscommunications. Now he, people could say, oh, yeah, well, obviously he did that on purpose. But maybe not. And so I, I just – I don't know. I just think it's a little – to me, yeah, four to three, thanks. But to me, I think it should be one or two. Because look at this, juxtapose. Now, this disgusts me. The NFL came out strong on Rice and Greg Hardy. You know, Rice the second time around and then Greg Hardy. But Josh Brown of the New York Giants, the kicker, um, you know, had some domestic violence issues. They NFL tried to do the investigation on their own. They got no help from the court system. They could not get in touch with his wife. It was reported that she said to the police she was fearful for her life, that there were 20 incidents of this. 20 and incidents. 20. Yeah. And that when the police came, he hit her while she was pregnant. So wait a minute. That's only one game? Are we – like already I saw on ESPN that the women and the domestic violence people are like, whoa, the NFL has totally dropped the ball. Yes, there was no guilt, and you can't get anybody to talk, but this goes back to, like, kind of the hush money with Greg Hardy with the girlfriend, right? So if you, you know, obviously the wife is like, if she wants to stay with him or she's in fear, she doesn't want the husband to lose the job because he's the breadwinner. Like, come on, we, I think as a society, I, I thought we were at a, at a bigger and better place, especially with professional sports, and it seems like the Giants are supporting him I'm a little mystified in this one. And why would he only get one game, even though they couldn't corroborate different things? I feel like the initial information is more than enough for him to get when, when it says on their paper, their books, Ray, six games. What do you think about this? I don't get it. I don't understand what's happening. Um, Maybe they just have such little evidence but that's never stopped Roger Goodell before so, I know uh, and in this age between Hardy and Rice and this whole, and even Adrian Peterson that was with the child but um, I'm, I'm baffled I really am and this is a wife and a pregnant woman that seems worse than you know come on it's way worse than these stupid marijuana things it, mistests it's way worse than you know it's just worse on every level I, I'm, I'm totally baffled and there's going to have to be some explaining to do um, with, the, with the union and stuff. And then, obviously, the players have agreed, Matthews, Peppers, and James Harrison, to meet with Roger Goodell, which I still kind of feel like they shouldn't have to, right? Because Al Jazeera, you know, is just, like, throwing out allegations. And then Manning met with them, the baseball players. That's been dropped against Ryan Howard and stuff. So... I know they have to appease them to meet with them, but this is kind of silly. And I don't think the other player who's a free agent, Mike Neal, has agreed to meet. What do you think comes out of this? Is it just sit and meet and then we just go on and there's no issue with the guys? 
This is a hard one for me to handicap because Al Jazeera is sticking to their guns and the players are sticking to their guns. And well, no, remember, Al Jazeera recanted it and then they went out of business. I mean, so I don't know if they're sticking to their guns. Well, you know, I, I have a suspicion that something is there, but I don't know. I mean, this is one of those he said, he said. Um, so I guess we're just going to have to let this one play itself out. You know, Al Jazeera went out of business. That that's not a. I mean, that wasn't because of this, right? That was just because of business and and, and the business model or whatever. So, right. I, I, so what do you think? I mean, do you think that it's just a rogue Al Jazeera app? Uh, um, sorry, reporter that wants to get at the athletes. I mean, do you, you smell something there? Maybe maybe somebody on the teams. Maybe I don't know. It, it look. I think there's got to be a large number of NFL players that do things. I'm not naive to that. Um, I can see that with Manning, injury, recovery, Matthews, Peppers, and Harrison, recovery with age and and, and wanting to still play, so it's possible. You know what I mean? I I mean, we can't, you know, be naive, but I I just – it's all very – I don't think that somebody should be questioned because some random news company just came out with some report. You know what I mean? Because then anybody could just start throwing charges, and then all of a sudden now I've got to be questioned. And I think that's an interesting point too. Like where do, we, where do you draw the line with accusations? Do you know what I mean? So I don't know where that all goes. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. I think – well, well, we got to talk about some just uh, quick news and notes, though. Your boy Dar- uh, Dorio Green Beckham was traded, right, from the uh, Titans to the Eagles, and the Eagles gave up a backup lineman. They need help. The NBA moved the All Star Game officially to New Orleans because of Charlotte and you know their issues and their laws. Um, do you think? <clears throat> I don't know. Do you think that helps the Eagles and did the NBA do the right move? How about that? I, yes and yes. Uh, I thought Doriel Greenbeckham would have a great season this year, actually. He's big. He's a great target. He's an end zone guy. He's just ready to come into his own. So I'm surprised that they got rid of him, especially given that, you know, young quarterbacks need targets. So I think it'll definitely help Philly. Think about how Philly's always had kind of these smallish receivers. I mean, think about they had Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. Oh, and Jordan none of their Mack guys went, can be one-on-one coverage now. Remember last year, Aguilar and Jordan Matthews were trash. Yeah, and so, you know, those are number two, number three possession-type receivers. But this kid, if he hits his potential, and, and at the very least he gives him size, right? At the very least he's the poor man's practical Burris. Uh, right, but, and they signed Ruben uh, Randall too, right? A, you know, they signed Ruben Randall. If he stops dropping the ball, maybe he could help too. Potential in New York. So maybe he needs a change of scenery to get him going. Definitely. So let's, let's get to the heart of what this show is about. Us having some fun. Look, baseball's winding down the home stretch, you know, pennant races, all that. Little League World Series is starting. We had an upset today, Canada over Japan. You know, we're just getting all excited about baseball, and we're about to get into fantasy football preview, college football preview, NFL, the first week of September. So Ray and I wanted to have a little fun. We've talked about, you know, top 
15 and top fives and tens in NBA and different positions of football. But we haven't given you this in baseball. We wanted to do our all-time baseball lineups, but also our favorite. So we're looking at all-time greats, but Ray and Tay's favorite players. We're going to break down the positions, give you uh, our batting order. You want to go by position or just do it by how you would have your batting order? And I want and I, and I the fans on Twitter and email us, which team do you think would win, Ray's team or Tay's team? So you want to break down the position or you want to do the batting order? How you want to go for this, Ray? No, let's do by position. Let's do by position. Okay. Let, let the fans out there tell us what their batting order would be. <laughs> All right. Let's start at catcher and work our way around the diamond. Ray, who is your catcher? Now, keep in mind, folks, this is our favorite players. These are the guys that made a memorable mark. Ray and Tay grew up watching baseball from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, up until today may not necessarily be, sometimes it is, but may not necessarily be the best player of all time. And I think we both went with players that we watched. So, you know, right. I only went with two that I didn't watch, but I love and respect them and their highlights. I just, I, you know, they're just right. legends. To, so I had to put them. Who can deny, you know, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, right? But right. I, I don't have a, a connection to them because they're not our era. So keep yeah. that in mind. But my guy passed away, and Uh, not just because he passed away, but he was the captain, the heart and soul of the Yankees. I cried. My catcher is Herman. Oh, Ray, you're going out. You there? Seven and 78 championship teams. He died in 79. You said Thurman Munson, right? The fans couldn't hear you. You went out. Thurman Munson. Okay. Thurman Munson, that's my guy, a catcher, the heart and soul of two championship Yankee teams. Listen, I, you know, we didn't want to pick the same guys. We only have one of the same. But, you know, I cried when Thurman died, so I love him. But I went with, at that time, my second favorite team because I'm a diehard Yankee fan, but I was a big fan of the Big Red Machine. And I went with still, I think, the best catcher of all time, Johnny Bench. Of course, he had his, you know, championships with the Reds, four, 14 All-Stars, two MVPs, you know, 10 gold gloves. He was just, that's Johnny Bench, baby, you know, 389 home runs all time. Who you got at first base, Ray? A Hall of Famer in our book. This guy, for about six years, was about as good a baseball player as there was won an MVP, a batting title, found some power as soon as he got to the major leagues, Don Mattingly, just the the quintessential first baseman, Donnie Baseball. The one knock on him is he only went to the playoffs once in 95 when they expanded and the Yankees got knocked out by Griffey and the Seattle Mariners. But Donnie Baseball, my first baseman. I'm not mad at you. I went with a guy that I remember – he was one of the first baseball cards I ever had. And I always used to emulate his batting stance along with Daryl Porter's. This guy played first base, a little bit of second base. He played with the twins and the angels, 18 all-stars, um, an MVP, a 328 lifetime batting average. I'm talking about Rod Carew. 
who I think the MLB, they just named the awards for hitting, right, the best hitters average at the end of the year, the AL Rod Carew, the NL Tony Gwynn, two of the best hitters we've ever seen. So Rod Carew, my first baseman. Who you got a second? Ryan Sandberg, Chicago Cubs. This Ah. guy was just the epitome of solid and excellent at the same time. Usually you're either solid or you're excellent. But this guy didn't make mistakes. He was just the professional hitter, you know, very good fielder. And there were maybe one or two better second basemen of all time, but I feel like he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. But at the time, he was awesome. He was awesome. So Ryan Sandberg on Chicago Cubs teams that didn't really win much, but he was great. You're totally right. Awesome. I'm going with my man for the Big Red Machine. He was my guy, and I loved him post-career on ESPN in the booth. Ten All-Stars, Joe Morgan, two MVPs. And you know what? A lot of people forget, man, Joe Joe can hit some homers. He can steal bases. He was kind of clutch. He had five gold gloves. So Joe Morgan's my guy, man. I loved him at second base. Who you got a shortstop? You know what? There's so many guys, and Derek Jeter, you know, that's my Yankee. But before Derek Jeter, before (laughs) Derek Jeter, there was a guy when shortstop was not an offensive position, when it was all about defense and athleticism, I got me the Wizard of Oz, Ozzie Smith, St. Louis. Not only did he play D, he stole you a base when he needed to, and once in a while he would hit you a home run and – that was just my guy. He he was he was what you wanted from a shortstop. Defense first, but between the leadership and the clutch performance, the Wizard of Oz was just great. And by the way, he did that backflip every time he came on the field. Uh, that was awesome. <laughs> amazing. And, you know, he played for the Cardinals, one of the greatest baseball franchises ever. I had to go with my man who just retired. An A-bomb from A-Rod. 14 All-Stars. He's third all-time in RBIs, three MVPs. Listen, the guy had two golden gloves, but let me tell you, he was one of the best shortstops ever before he came to the Yankees and moved to third base and then became a great third baseman as well. So for me, without a doubt, I got to go to A-Rod. And he did get his chip, and I don't care about the, the steroids. Who you got at third base? We go. We went up against him all the time. Greg Nettles was our guy in New York, yeah. but George Brett was the real deal in Kansas City. The pine tar game, he flipped his head uh. <laughs> in Yankee Stadium. But I love this it. guy was one of those guys that is a batting crown. He's a triple crown guy. Oh, he's he the best. Almost hit 400 one year. I yep. mean, and, and the guy played a, played a pretty decent third base, and obviously was just a professional hitter in, in, in Kansas City. So, George Brett, that's my guy at third. Ray, you know how I feel about and you, and you didn't even throw it in there. I figured you'd throw it in there, George Herman Brett, because you know how we do. <laughs> and me, the other side of your AL guy, I had to go with Mike or Michael Jack Schmidt of the Philadelphia Phillies. My man, third base, 12 All-Stars. He had three. And you, I forgot this. Three MVPs for Schmidt. And he was banging out home runs. Um, that's Michael Jack Schmidt to you. That's, that's what I'm saying. Michael Jack Schmidt and 11 gold gloves. 
just a, a great guy, a champion. Him and Greg Luzinski, if you remember, used to bang him out in, in the old Veterans Stadium. So, yes, Mike Schmidt, my third baseman. All right, let's go to the outfield. Let's go to left. Who you got out there? You know, this is going to be controversial because of the whole steroids thing, but I was in Pittsburgh when Bonilla, Bonds, and Van Slyke were just leading that Pittsburgh team, those young guys. Barry Bonds, steroids or not, is one of the best baseball players you'll ever see. The guy was the epitome of a five-tool athlete. He won seven MVPs. And if he had a better personality and, and was more liked by, in spite of not being liked by the media, if he were more liked by the media, he would have won nine. Because Jeff Bennett's <laughs> teammate and Terry Pendleton, arguably both of those could have gone to Bond. So for nine years, he was the best player in the National League. Crazy. Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just, just a phenomenal baseball player. You know, all the steroid stuff, put it aside for now. We're just talking about what you saw on the field and he was just an awesome hitter and towards the end of his career. The, the, the eye-hand coordination and the ability to walk 200 times and still have the home runs and the RBI productivity that he had, plus he was a, a, a seven or eight-time gold glover. I mean, that's just the, the, the ultimate baseball player. So Barry Bonds my guy in left. You know, we feel the same way about Barry. And for me – I had to go with this guy because he started in the outfield. He played some third and some first. He was a Cincinnati Red with the big red machine and also a Philadelphia Phillies. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He's not because of gambling. 19 All-Stars and one MVP, um, what, two gold gloves, and the all-time hit leader. Pete Rose is my guy forever, and that's what I have in left field. Who you got in center? So Barry Bonds is contemporary, and you know another lefty. (laughs) (laughs) He was just the most beautiful swing you'll ever see from a baseball player. The natural, the gifted one, at 19 years old, came into the league and never looked back. Junior, my man, Ken Griffey Jr., he was a 13-time All-Star, won himself an MVP, and in center field, which is a pretty rugged position, you, you hit the wall a lot, you dive a lot, you, carry, you cover a lot of ground, 10 gold gloves. Uh, the guy went home to Cincinnati, and it feels like his career was never the same, but my guy, Ken Griffey, in Seattle especially, uh, was, was just a sight to see. Ray, you're totally right. So my guy played some left and some center, but I'm sticking him in center. Ten all-stars, the best base stealer of all time, even though a lot of people would say it's Lou Brock. One MVP, you know, he, he had a gold glove, and he was an a, a Oakland A, somewhat of a Yankee and a Met, but he is number one in any batting order, and he would lead off my team. Batting first, starting at center field, Ricky Henderson. And he has, what, the most leadoff home runs to start off a game in Major League Baseball history. So that's, that's my guy. I love Ricky Henderson, Ray. We both do, but I love Ricky. Right field, who you got? You took my guy for right field. <laughs> Ray uh, did this on purpose. That's my guy. 
No, man. And you know, Dave Winfield played Ryan. We had some other guys. I was going to go with Roberto Clemente because uh, he was pretty awesome and another guy who tragically lost his life. But Dave Parker. Can uh, I tell you that this love guy love you him. Know, is just physically gifted? And, you know, he got into some issues in Pittsburgh at the end, but, you know, he won himself. For a big guy like that, he had the most ridiculous arm you'll ever see. Go to YouTube and see Parker throwing people out on the fly from the warning track. I mean, it's the most amazing thing (laughs) in the All-Star game, in a regular season. So he's a seven-time All-Star, a two-time World Series champ. He won the NL MVP. He won three gold gloves, a couple of batting titles. I mean, just a big, strong, the you know, the ultimate physical. Doesn't it seem like nobody talks about Dave Parker anymore, right? Underrated. I'm glad you underrated. picked him. Yeah, and very underrated. And by the way, you know, his, his career stats, his career 290 hitter for a big dude, 290 yeah. hitter, 300, almost uh, 340, 350 home runs, 2,700 oh, hits. 1,500 RBIs, gold gloves. Dave Parker was a heck of a baseball player, folks. Check him out. Well, I got to go to, I guess, the pure, true home run king in right field, and that's Henry Hank Aaron. 25 25 all-star games, right? Only one MVP, which seems blasphemous. Um, Four gold gloves and just, you know, what else can you say? An all-time batting average, you'd be surprised for a slugger of 305. And, you know, we know 714 before Barry what, what wound up with 755. Uh, Hammer and Hank Aaron, man, with the Braves, Atlanta Braves, Milwaukee Braves. He was a Brave and just a legend and a class, classy man. So Hank Aaron in right field. Let's go to DH, Ray. Who's your all-time DH? Well, I went with the Not happy with your pick, by the way. I went with the best. He's the oh, best God. of all time. He's the best DH of all time. I mean, I'm sorry. Edgar Martinez was good, but David yeah. Ortiz came over from Minnesota to the Boston Red Sox and never looked back. Three World Series, that World Series that they just got in 20, what was it, 2013, the guy put up softball numbers and just was the heart and soul of that team. Again, you know, there was there were rumors of, of performance-enhancing drugs three, four years ago. That seemed to have gone away. But this guy was just murderers row. Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz having to face them every, you know, every – it seemed like every day as a Yankee fan, but 18, wow. 19 times a year. And then in the, in the playoffs, David Ortiz, best DH ever. And, and my guy, just a, a pleasure to watch. And you know he's a lefty. <laughs> yeah, I, we we might have to analyze how many you got like five six lefties on that roster. I don't know. We might have to blow the whistle. Look, my guy played DH, but he was originally a right fielder who was a stud with the A's, Oakland A's in the seventies. You know, went to the Orioles, and then George Steinbrenner said, "Look, I need you to come to New York so we can take care of the Reds and the Red Sox and win us a World Series." And that's exactly what my favorite player of all time did. His name is Reginald Martinez Jackson, baby. Reggie Jackson. He had a candy bar named after him. 14, 14 all-star games. He had a candy bar, an MVP. 
I can't even tell you, man. This guy, 563 homers. I love you, Reggie, forever. That's my guy. Let's go to the pitchers. We have one starter, one reliever. Who's your starter, Ray? This was hard because yeah, there were so really many hard. guys and pitchers. Are, and, and, and pitchers, more than everyday hitters, pitchers, it's all about style. You know, are you a Randy Johnson strike you out guy are you a greg maddox you know i'm a scientist are you yeah. a tom Seaver, the perfect form are you a Ryan? like you can't touch me but you know what i went with the guy that most looks like me it not <laughs> looks like me but it's built like me pedro <laughs> martinez right Woo. a little dude who uh. just brought the heat and was just a scientist out there could make the ball move, was magic. Started his career with the Expos, ended up, of course, with the Red Sox. And just could be did top five thing. best pitchers ever, Ray. He's could very be, underrated. Could be top five he, ever. You know, for, for, a, for a guy that good, he is underrated, partially because his innings count and, and, and his longevity was a little bit shorter than some of the other guys, like Roger Clemens and, and, and even a, a Nolan Ryan and such. But dominant, Pedro dominant. Martinez, at his best – Let's put it this way. If you had in their prime one guy who could you, – you needed to get one inning out of one guy, a starting pitcher, you've got to think Pedro Martinez is right up there. He's up there with your guy. He's right Colfax. He's right Dwight up there with Gooden. Randy Johnson, uh, Dwight Gooden. Gooden. I mean, they're all up there. So, so I just look, look at him. Physically, he, could, he didn't impose his, his – himself on you right there's other guys that were bigger stronger he was just a random average looking baseball player but he worked <laughs> magic with the baseball well the guy that i had to mention and the second guy that i didn't get to see obviously hank aaron was the first a st louis cardinal i had to have on my team and just from my older relatives and watching highlights and videos i know and i felt the presence of bob gibson Two Cy Youngs, a strikeout king, a, a dominant inside pitcher, nine gold gloves, so he fielded well, nine all-star games, and he got himself an MVP as a pitcher. Ray, 251 wins, which doesn't seem so big, but, you know, didn't, you know, like you say, add up all the crazy years. If you just needed one pitcher for one game to win, Bob Gibson, a lot of people are giving him the ball. So that's my guy, Bob Gibson. And we both have the reliever to end the show. I'll let you talk about him. He's our guy. I mean, and, and small in size. He's about our, in between our sizes probably. Tell him. Our relief pitcher. You know, he defies logic. The guy, Mariano Rivera, is the GOAT. <laughs> Not only is the GOAT, but I think he gets disrespected in the sense that they call him the best reliever of all time. You give him, to, you give him that hands down. He's one of the best pitchers of all time. And I'm sorry, yeah. there's a bias towards starting pitchers, and there should be. But this guy is special. This guy was unhittable. He's made, you could argue, he's had in the postseason maybe three bad innings, and you know what they are. That's how yep. good he was. That's how he rare the, it is. That's, he had the bad inning in 97 with Sandy Alomar Jr. He had the bad inning with the Boston Red Sox 
you know, in, in 2004, and he had the bad inning in 2001 with the, with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. But for a guy with a 20-year career, you remember three bad innings. The guy has like a .7 ERA in the playoffs. 652 saves, Ray. That's insane. With one pitch. And you knew it was coming, and you still couldn't hit it. He kept Louisville at Slugger personally in business. He kept breaking bats. The guy was unhittable and really a, a marvel. He started out as a, as a starter, and the Yankees quickly moved him to the bullpen. Figured out John Wetland, you know, was at the end of his career. We got a guy named Mariano Rivera, and in 97, they installed him as the everyday reliever, and they never looked back. The GOAT, the GOAT, the GOAT. They, 14 fact, All-Stars. Yeah. He is the only player in baseball history, in my humble opinion, where it's not debatable that he's the best at his position, right? Everybody else, maybe Willie Mays, but you could argue a lot of people like Mickey Mantle in center field and, and others and, you know, Barry Bonds and King Griffin, but there's no doubt. I mean, he, he's that far ahead of the next guy that he is by far the best at his position. Yeah, you don't, you're right. That's not even something that you question. And he's so dominant. It's sort of like how, you know, Jerry Rice or Jim Brown, he's as dominant as, as anybody in any other sport. And, you know, he's just respected like that. And he's a legend. And, you know, I, I don't know how you would rank him, you know, because like you said, he's one of the best pitchers ever, definitely the best reliever. But if you're going to do a top 10 pitchers, he would have to be in the top 10, even though he's not a starter. And that in itself is, uh, is the best compliment you could probably give him, right? So, look, that's a great way for us to end the show. For everybody to have a great sports weekend. Monday, we'll talk some more, you know, wrap up the Olympics, get a little bit more into football. And then uh, next, you know, the end of next week, I think uh, we got our fantasy football preview and then college football the next Monday and then uh, whew, Labor Day and then NFL. So it's, it's coming. I, I feel I'm getting – you got your shoulder pads ready, right? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going from the Olympic track and field right to my football shoulder pads and helmets. You uh, know, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's awesome. It's been a long way. We've waited a long time for NFL, and we are going to have a lot of fun with you on our NFL preview show and definitely, definitely fantasy football. So check that out a week from today. We're going to break it down and get you ready for your drafts because those drafts are coming up. I mean, did you see ESPN had a 28 hour marathon for fantasy football? That's crazy. So you're, you know how important it is. So um, listen, everybody get ready. Have a great weekend. Stay cool. Hey, Ray prayers out to everybody in the Gulf coast and Louisiana and so many lives lost and just dealing with the weather again. And uh, God bless those people. And I, I, we just pray for them, man. A lot of love, you know? Yeah. A lot of love down there, Louisiana. Keep your heads up. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Peace. We're out.